0: well-seen pictures at times of some of the aftermath when tornadoes go through an area. And so at first you see the, the, the picture of the, the community with the, the homes and everything is fine and pristine and everyone has their, their, their manicured yards and everything is, is great. And then this uh, tornado goes through and just there's a path of just absolute destruction that it carves. Leaving this trail of destruction in in, the, in their path, tornadoes do this, and there are many people that are like this as well. Many people that uh, leave a trail of destruction in their path, almost as if they're they're so centered on themselves, just spinning around and uh, being self-centered that as they go through life, it just hurts everyone around them. That they leave people uh, just just broken. Hurt, a lot of destruction. You've probably met people like that. You've probably had situations where you've had these encounters or you've been damaged. Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you realized in the past how you've gone through life and people have not been better off because of that, but have been damaged. But Jesus Christ has a way of, of changing us. Does he not? And that even if you have been someone that in the past you've left that trail of destruction, that you've been saved by God's grace if you have trusted Jesus Christ. And he is in the process of changing you and transforming you from the inside out. And that is you realize uh, what the gospel means in your life, that what Jesus Christ has done to save you, that he is, is teaching you through his word, that he is uh, giving you this renewed mind that the book of Romans talks about at the beginning of chapter 12. And so we're not called to be people that leave a, a trail of destruction behind us, but instead we're called to be people following Jesus Christ that instead leave a, leave a trail of blessings behind. That as we go through life and we encounter other people, both within the body of Christ and outside, that uh, we're helping other people to to be blessed, to know Jesus Christ more, uh, to be helped from their problems rather than causing these problems. And the passage we're going to be looking at today in Romans 12, I think gives a few of the examples of how we can and should be doing that. How we can change from being people that, uh, instead of leaving a trail of destruction, leave a trail of blessing in their path. So let's read Romans 12, We're going to focus on verses 14 through 17. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Let's take a look at God's word. And we're going to see at the core, this is about living as a a blessing by putting yourself into, into the good of others. That as Christians, as we look to Christ and as we follow him, instead of being selfish and worldly and just caring about what is in it for ourselves and what we want, God changes our hearts so that we care about what is genuinely best for everyone around us so that we can be a blessing to them. So let's talk first about, we'll get this from verses 14 and 17, being people of goodwill, having a a positive, a goodwill towards others, that we want to be people that care about the good of those who are not good to you. That there will be people that that do not treat you well, that treat you poorly. But as Christians, we are called to care for their good, their genuine good, even when they are not good to us. So again, verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then similarly, in, in verse 17, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought... To do what is honorable in the sight of all, you know Jesus says many things like this. Remember, Jesus says, "Love your enemies," and it has to be on the list of the most annoying things that Jesus has ever said to us as as, as sinful people. To it goes against our nature to want to love our enemies. I mean, sometimes it's hard enough to, to love our, our families, to love people we have good relationship with, but to love our enemies, people that are, are against us, people that are seeking our, our bad, sometimes actively going out of their way to make your life miserable. And Jesus calls you, the Bible calls you, to, to seek for their good, to be a blessing to them, to love them and to, to show this. Why didn't Jesus say it would be so much more satisfying to us if he had said, instead of love your enemies, he had said, you know, punch your enemies. Go ahead and do that. If he had said, get even with them. If he had said, sweet revenge on those who are against you. Things that our society tells us all the time, do to them before they do to you. Revenge is a dish best served cold. And it is very cold in space. That's uh, for a few of you out there. <laughs> but, you know, part of living this changed life is that we live in a different way. And we do things that are just unnatural from just the way that, that we are wired. And it goes against, well, I think of analogy just in physics. I've heard of Isaac Newton. He has the laws of motion. And one of the things he said, his third law of, mo- of motion is... For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And even in our relationships, that tends to be how we're wired, that tends to be what we want to do. And what, what this means in physics is that, you know, for, for everything that happens, there's, uh, there's an opposite force that happens. Uh, that's when, when you shoot a gun. Uh, the bullet's going out this way, but it also pushes back on the gun the other way. The equal and opposite reaction. That's why rockets can fly in space. Even though there's nothing they're pushing off of, because they're shooting out particles one way and it makes the rocket go another. When you push on a diving board, it pushes down and it makes you fling up. That's just, that's how physics is. And naturally, that's how we tend to be in our relationships. Someone pushes against you, you push back on them. At least equal. Sometimes we want to up it. You know, so you don't push on me, I'll push back even harder. You get me, I'm going to get you back. And that's the, way the world, that's the way the world operates. But Jesus is calling us, and, and Paul here, through uh, this passage, the Lord is calling us to do something that defies the laws of physics, defies the laws of, of fallen human nature. That instead of, of pushing back in, in the same way when we're pushed against, that we're, we're not to retaliate, we're not to res- respond from, with evil to evil. We're supposed to respond with with good, even to those that that persecute us, that want to that want to harm you, even to those that are that are making your life miserable, those that are against you at at work, those that are uh, in your personal relationships, those there are Christians in the world that are being physically persecuted, and we're called to love them and to be a blessing to them. You know what they call it when there's something that uh, kind of breaks the laws of, of physics that goes against that? That's, that's a miracle, isn't it? And God is calling us to do something in relationships that, that is supernatural, that we're responding in this different way. It's the, the, the normal life would just be to push back, but God calls us to a, have a supernatural response through his work in your heart and your life, through the Holy Spirit. So you can respond in this different way. And this is, it's a supernatural thing. And it calls attention to the, to the grace and the work of God when we respond in this way. That we, we don't just react. We don't just respond. But instead we, we respond in a, in a different way. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. We think about what that means. Now, what that does not mean is that you take a look at what the world would find acceptable, and that's the only thing that you can do. Because uh, as Christians, we just couldn't do that because there's so much that the world even about what we believe that they find unacceptable. But when it says, do what is honorable in the sight of all, that means we, we take the high road. That we're not just fighting dirty when somebody is fighting dirty against us. We're, 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 we are taking the high road. We're following Jesus' example. I mean, Jesus is the one that, well, he's on the cross, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus is the one that of the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, this is while we're still his enemies, while we're still hostile to him. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross for your salvation. So what do we do when we are sinned against? Do we just do we play the victim card forever? Or do we do we forgive? Do we respond in a in a Christ-like heart that that cares about their good more than caring about our hurt. I mean, it's one thing just to not call down curses on our enemies. Now, that's hard enough. But it's even harder to call down God's blessings upon them. But that's what we're called to do. And when we think of how to do this, there, I think there's several different ways. We think about our, our thoughts and our prayers. We th- I'm going to give you four And these are general. You'll have to fill in the specifics for the people in your life that you need to apply this to. But I think it starts with these. And I put prayer first because sometimes, you know, our thought life to to try and think well of other people, to try and think in a way that's not just wrapped up in bitterness or thinking of scheming and how we can get at people and all this. Sometimes we're not going to be able to make that shift on our own unless we are first going to God in prayer. But you'll find that when you have people that are against you, the best thing you can do is start praying for them and praying for their genuine good. And that has a way of, well, you're honoring God because you're following what the Scripture tells you to do, but it does also change us. It changes our disposition. It helps us to to have compassion on them. Another someone that yeah, they may be doing evil things. And part of it, they're, they're someone that needs Jesus Christ. They're someone that is uh, just ensnared by the devil in the way that we used to be snared by the devil as well. If you need to break out of bitterness and all of these thoughts, you need to start by praying for those that are that are against you. Working on your thought life as well, that you're trying to think as positively as as you can. Sometimes giving them the the benefit of the doubt. Just trying to view them as reminding yourself this is someone made in the image of God. This is someone that Jesus Christ wants to redeem. And having that as our goal, not just we, we want revenge on them. We want to bless them with our words. And... That might be what we we pray to God, but also what we say. Both we say to them, what we say about them, blessing them with our words, and then also with our actions. What can we do that would be a genuine blessing to them? And you know, sometimes God will work through that to soften and change their hearts. Not always, but sometimes that's what it takes when they realize that Wow, well, this person, why are they treating me like this when I am against them? And it shows that there's something different about your heart. It shows that there's something divine that God is doing, that you're not reacting the way that everyone else in the world would react. Let me say, if this is true for, for our enemies, for those in the, in the world that mistreat us, well, then how much more true should this be for those within the body of Christ? as we think of this uh, within the theme of this whole Romans 12 series of living the Christian life together. Yeah, this applies you know, to people outside of Christ, but how much more should this be the case for those within the body of Christ as well? Because I have, I have to tell you this, this, you might hypothetically sometimes have another Christian that, that gets under your skin. You realize that sometimes that happens? I mean, I tell you the this, this secret that this could actually happen to you. Can you believe it? Because sometimes again, I'm sorry to break this to you, but, but even Christians will sometimes let you down. What? New news, to everyone, right? I wish it was, because sometimes Christians, they don't act the way that they ought to act. Because we're still in the process of being cleaned up from the inside out. And sometimes we treat each other the way that we shouldn't. Sometimes we let our own agendas, we let our own selfishness get in the way. And we need to, when we find out that we're that person, even in the body of Christ, it's leaving a trail of destruction. We need to repent and we need to change. And we need to offer forgiveness to to others that, that have hurt us, even when it's a when it's a fellow believer that that hurts you. This verse applies to Christians as well. Now some disclaimers. Sometimes there are people who claim to be Christians, but they're not really born again. That happens too, and maybe that's part of the reason. They don't have their heart changed yet. And sometimes we can be part of the the problem too. Sometimes we are not 100% innocent. Sometimes our desires, our pride, we make the situation worse. Sometimes we're looking to be offended. And sometimes the way that we react isn't making the situation better either. So we need to look at what's going on in our own lives as well. You know, we're going to see more of this in this passage. Uh, In the next verses, it's going to say, you know, leave vengeance to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Uh, next week we're going to see a verse that says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And when we get to that next week, we're actually going to do a little series within a series as we look at that. Because I think this issue of how to be a peacemaker is such a vital part of what God calls us to. Blessed is the peacemakers, that I want to take a few weeks to talk about that and say, well, how do we do that? How do we do this as Christians and in the right way, taking into account everything that the Bible has to tell us about this? So yeah, next week we start a little mini-series within a a series about how to be a peacemaker in a biblical way. But for now, we remember that ultimately no person is your archenemy. If you think there's some arch enemy that you have out there, ultimately the arch enemy that you have is not a person, it's, it's the devil. He is the one that's against you, and he's the one that has us, tries to make us play off of each other. So we do good to those, even those that are not doing good to you. We also, in this verse, we want to show empathy. Put it another way, we want to care about what other people are going through. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. They say the world's motto is laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. But instead, Scripture tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. First Corinthians twelve, twenty-six reminding us that we're all part of one body together, says if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's part of the implication of realizing that that we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all connected. We're not just on our own, doing our own thing, but that because we are part of a body, that we feel each other's pain. We also feel each other's joys. We respond to that. And that's, this is a huge part of what it means to, to live the Christian life together is, is feeling what other people are, are going through. And we don't do this naturally. And I think we live in a society especially where we don't do this because we tend to just live in our own little worlds. It's like we live in our own lane Okay, and yeah, there might be cars going around us, but we're like, I'm staying in my lane, you stay in your lane, do what you want to do, but don't mess with my lane. And we have our lives, we have our, our goals and our different things. And you could have a brother and sister in Christ that you sit next to or sit a few rows from every single week and maybe they are hurting. Maybe they are going through some incredibly difficult times. Maybe they've experienced loss. Maybe they are experiencing health issues. Maybe they're struggling with sin. They're struggling with spiritual depression or grief or who knows what it is. But we tend to just stick in our lane and we we don't show that empathy towards those that are around us. This is what God is calling us to do, that, that we care about those that are next to us. We try and understand what they are going through. And even if it's not what we're going through, and even if it changes, well, I got my goals and I have this and I'm feeling happy, so I don't want you being Debbie Downer bringing me down, that we're willing to, to enter into their pain to, to help them. Or sometimes we it's the other way where we are focused on our our hurt and we just tend to spiral in on that and focus on our misery and and we don't want to be happy for someone else. That makes it worse for us. Things are—you got the promotion. Things are going well with your family. Things are—you're experiencing joy. Well, oh, but I feel terrible, and I want to focus on me. Instead, we're supposed to be connected with each other, feeling each other's pain, weeping with those who weep, because we care about other people. We 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 feel their pain. Think of what. You've memorized Bible verses. What's the, the favorite verse of everyone to memorize? Jesus wept. It's like, I'll do that one. It's two words, Jesus wept. But think of what that tells us. That we have a Savior that uh, when, when Lazarus died, and brother of Mary and Martha, that, I mean, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to raise them. So he, he wept with them. And part of that he was weeping over the destruction that sin brings, but also as part of the normal grief. Entering into the, the the grief and the pain that Mary and Martha had. We don't want to have calloused hearts. We don't want to have hearts that are so busy and distracted or, or selfish that we can't enter into other people's pain. So we put ourselves into into the into the good of others as we think about what they're going through. Which is harder? Do you think to weep with those who weep or to rejoice with those who rejoice? I think it may be for, the, for us as, as sinners, it's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice. And why is that? I think it's because we struggle with jealousy. We tend to want good things for ourselves and it's tough when we see good things that are happening to other people. Sometimes we want to bring them down. We think it should be the good things happening to us instead. But as we grow as Christians, part of that growth is that we can, we're connected with others and we can be genuinely happy when good things are happening to them, even if it's not happening to us. And you know what's a beautiful thing about that? It's another way for you to have increased joy. That you might be going through a difficult time and somebody else has good things, but you can still, there's a part of you that, can, that is happy for them. And when that can happen from a pure heart, it's a way for you to have uh, joy in the midst of other things that you're going through. Because you can take joy in other people's joy as well. Especially if you know that they're connected with you, they're also you know, uh, feeling the, the, the pain and the grief that you're going through. This is a beautiful thing. And yeah, it means that it's probably going to get complicated in our hearts because at any given time there's things that we take joy in, there's things that are going to give us grief and it's, we need complicated, big hearts. And this is part of what God gives us when, we, when we're following him and he's working in our, in our lives. And when you get to glory, when you get to heaven one day, when we have our jealousy taken away, it's going to be beautiful because not only will you have joy in the fact that you are seeing your risen Savior, not only will you have joy in the, the eternal rewards that God gives you, but because you won't be selfish anymore, you also take joy in the rewards that God gives other people. That is, he bestows upon them you know, crowns and rewards for their faithfulness. You won't be jealous of that. We, think, we tend to think now, Oh, rewards in heaven will be terrible because I'll be jealous. No, you're not going to have jealousy anymore. Instead, it's going to be another opportunity for joy. As you see someone that is, has given their life in, in, in service as a a missionary, as someone that just faithfully uh, was uh, faithful going through life, even in tough circumstances, and God tells him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Your heart is going to sing, praise God. Praise God for the... the, the the joy that they have praise god for the rewards that they are receiving and not only does it give joy to them it gives more joy to you as well it's going to be a beautiful thing that we have to look forward to And you know, we see a bunch here a bunch of commands are these all random commands uh, the first one we talked to in this next one i don't think so because they all have this in common it's about being concerned for your good for someone else's good What's common about all of these things is that a self-centered person cannot do any of these things. We put ourselves in the good of others even when they're against you and even when you don't feel the way that they feel. We also want to live in harmony with other people. Be of the same mind towards one another. Verse sixteen says, live in harmony with one another. Uh, If you have a New American standard or a King James, it would say, Be of the same mind towards one another. It's another way that this can be translated. So we have to think about what does this mean? A few other places where the words are used the same. Philippians two, two, Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, Philippians four two. I entreat, Yodia and I entreat Synecdoche to, to agree, to have the same mind in the Lord. I parse living in harmony with each other. You know, when we sing, you can sing in a way that uh, the notes match each other. That it's they may, they're not the same, but it's it's harmony. It's good. Or you can sing in a way that it, it clashes. We're supposed to live in a way that it, it, it enhances with, with each other, being of the same mind. I, I think maybe a way to explain this is think of, uh, think of a soccer team. Okay, so if you're playing soccer and you have this, this, there's this ball out on the field and people have different ideas what they want to do with the ball. Maybe there's somebody that says, I want to go kick it in this goal. But then somebody else on your team says, no, I want to kick it in this goal. And somebody else says, you know what, I just want to kick it into the stands. I think that would be fun. Another person says, well, you know, I, I just want to um, just grab onto it and just hold it. And this is going to be my ball. And somebody else says, well, I'm going to bury it in the ground. That's what we'll do. And so everyone's out there doing different things. They're not of the same mind. But if, if they're of the same mind that they say, okay, the goal that we all have is we all want to get it down into that goal. And we're going to work together, and we may be doing different things at different times, but we have the same goal we're working towards. And then when somebody does kick it in the goal, they're all happy because that's what they all wanted to do. If we are all focused on the same thing, if we're all focused on on the glory of Jesus Christ, then we can be working together in in different ways, trying to have that happen, but we we have the same ultimate goal. And so when that happens in different people's lives, we can be happy about this, even if God working through a different person or it happens a different way and maybe we didn't get to be the one to kick it in, but somebody else did, but praise God because all we wanted was for the ball to go in the goal. To be of the same mind, to have, be of harmony with one another, to have this common mindset. And we do it by focusing on Christ. It's the goal for all of this. Uh, yeah, we're focusing on other people, but ultimately, even more, it's focusing on Jesus Christ. Because if we want the, the best good for other people, it has to involve Jesus. It has to involve them knowing him as their, their Lord and their Savior and making him their treasure. And all this, we need the renewed mind, a renewed mind that focuses on Jesus Christ. This is true for us as a church. This is true for you in your marriage. That if you have this harmony by focusing together on Jesus Christ and him being glorified, instead of, I got my goal, and I got my goal, and Mr. and Mrs., you're heading in different directions, instead if you're focusing on the same goal together. It's true for families, for Christian co-workers. The goal is for Jesus to be glorified, not us. That's humbleness. And we'll say it like this, don't be a snob. Don't be, verse 16 says, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And we've seen this a few times in this series, talking about humbleness or humility. On Palm Sunday, we looked at the humility of Jesus. This keeps coming up as if it's something important, something we should be paying attention to. You know, don't be haughty. You know, some people are so stuck up with their noses in the air that if it rained, they would drown. We're not supposed to be like that. We're not supposed to be stuck up and arrogant. We're supposed to associate with the lowly. That's what Jesus did. Uh, Again, for some people, the only time they'll have contact with people lower than them is when they want to step on them to, to climb up or to climb the ladder. But what did Jesus do? He came down from heaven. He befriended the sick. He befriended the poor, the lepers, the outcasts. You know, earlier I said that you know we shouldn't obsess about, about being victims. But you know, here's a, here's a flip side to this. Is that for our part, make sure that you never think that you are better than anyone else. Don't think that and don't live that And don't live in ways that that communicate that, whether it's broadly or subtly to anyone. Don't think you're better because of, of your social status. Don't think that you are better because of your race. Don't think that you are better because of your family, your nationality. Don't think that you're better because of your income, of your education. Don't think that you are better because of your job, your athletic ability. Don't think you are better because your clever sense of humor, your looks. Don't think you're better because of your circle of friends, your sophistication. Don't think you're better because of your elite's dedication to some product or club or social practice. Or you're dedicated to something you do or something that you would never do. Or whatever it is that makes you look down your nose at other people. Just knock it off. We're not called to be snobs. We are sinners saved by grace. And it's hard to be a snob when you remember that. When you remember that, that we are but sinners that are saved by the grace of God. And let that give you humility and let us live that out. Never be wise in your own sight. That's, that's one example of snobbery. Proverbs three seven and eight says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Many of the people that are wise in their own eyes, they're, they're not wise in other people's eyes. And being wise in God's eyes is what counts. So what do you, we think of all of these commands, what do you need for, for these? We need the renewed mind. Because these go against our sinful tendencies, all of these things that we've looked at today. We need to look away from ourselves and to look to Jesus Christ. You need to have your mind changed so that we're, we're focusing on the good of others in the light of eternity, not just in temporary things. We also need to rest in the grace of God and to focus on Christ, his example and his, his fulfillment. We need to remember that Jesus did all of these things perfectly, and he did them to us, he did them for us, and he does them through us. This isn't something we do on our own strength. We're, we're following Jesus. This is how he treated people. We're following his example. We also realize that, that he did these for us. Because if you think, well, I've got to live up to these perfectly, well, that's our goal, but you are not going to live up to these perfectly. But praise God that we have someone that has fulfilled these perfectly. And that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's giving you credit in his sight for, for what Jesus Christ has done, fulfilling these in your behalf. And that gives us freedom to do this without feeling that our salvation depends on this. No, our salvation depends on it because Jesus Christ has done it for us. And now we follow this out of gratitude in this changed life and realize that Jesus does it through us because it is supernatural. This goes against your natural reaction. And Jesus will work through you, and he'll give you the power to live the Christian life he calls you to live. And that because of his work through you, then you can and you will leave not a trail of destruction, but a trail of blessings in your path. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you that you are a God like this that you did not repay us according to what our sins deserve, but you came and loved us and died on the cross in our place. Lord, thank you that you associate with the lowly or else you would have never had time for us, Lord. Thank you that you work in our hearts to to change us after saving us by your grace because of what you have done. I pray that each person here would have trusted you as their Savior, completely depending on you alone as the one that fulfills all righteousness in their behalf. You alone is the one that died on the cross, paying the price in full for them. But then, out of gratitude and out of changed hearts, help us to live in a new way, not responding in the way that the world responds, but responding supernaturally through your power to love our enemies to live in in humility, Lord God, to give forgiveness when it is is needed, Lord. All these things. And we ask for your help. Help us to look to you always and to point others to you for their ultimate good and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.